Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Uh, I want to read from verse 19. Romans chapter 1, reading from verse 19, says this, Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without Excuse For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that we can gather together as the church. We're so grateful for who you are um, and uh, for what you're doing in our lives. And, and I just pray as we dive into this word, I pray that our hearts would be open to, above all else, hear the small, still voice of the Spirit. Father, let there be nothing in me that hinders this word. I thank you uh, for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Father, uh, bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom, Lord God, to hear and to speak the word today, Lord God. And I thank you for what you're going to do, that you will accomplish your purpose today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, I want to share this morning on the subject, why I believe in God, why I believe uh, in, in God. And one of the questions that people often ask is, why should, why should we believe in God? Um, how do we know that God really uh, exists? Christianity is often portrayed as a philosophy, uh, a belief as opposed to science. Um, it's, a, it's a way of life. Uh, Christianity is often portrayed as just another religion. There's a ton of religions out there. They're basically all the same. Uh, Christianity is just another version of those. Some people uh, see uh, Christianity as a crutch for the weak. Uh, it's for those people who, you know, they're not that strong as the rest of us. And so they need to, they need to, you know, they need religion to kind of help them through. But there's, but there's really no way that we can prove that God actually exists. Uh, belief in God is important because according to the Bible, it is central to salvation. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes... Uh, in, in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. The whole of our salvation hinges on believing uh, in Jesus Christ. And, um, and if, we, if we do believe in Him, um, then, then we can experience eternal life as God's Word speaks about that. The jailer one day asked Pete, Paul and Silas, he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I think it's one of the most powerful questions that an individual can ask uh, in life is, what, what do I need to do to be saved? Uh, and it's a question that we can certainly ask people, but, uh, but above all else, if we open our hearts and speak to, speak to God and prayer is essentially speaking to God and say, Lord, what, what do I need to do to be saved? I love what, what, I love what they replied. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
People have all these preconceived ideas about what we need to do to be saved, that we need to do good works and that we need to do this or that or belong to this religion or the other religion or, or you know, all, the, all these preconceived ideas about what it means to be saved. I love what, uh, what, uh, what Paul and Silas said. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And believe there is not just believe, uh, it's put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and you and your household as well. Again, salvation is contingent on believing in Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've heard about God. You've, you've heard people speak about Christ, and, but you don't really know whether this is all true. And you're kind of asking yourself those questions, you know, is, is this real or not? Um, maybe you're on a journey of faith, you're, find, you're on finding God and, and you're wondering, how do I know if God really exists? So I want to give you five reasons this morning. I want to give you five reasons why we should uh, believe in God. And my prayer is that even as I share today, that some of the questions we have might be answered, but above all else, uh, that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation is what the Apostle Paul speaks about, that there would be a revelation that we would understand and come to know Jesus Christ uh, as our Lord and Saviour. First reason why we believe in God is because of creation. Number one, we believe in God because of creation. Creation itself speaks to us about God. Uh, the way the universe functions and the way it all kind of hangs together and doesn't crash is pretty incredible. Uh, one of the things I love to do uh, at night at times is just go outside and look up to the heavens and just see the, the, the stars and, and just see how power. Anybody else do that kind of thing? Uh, I love when a uh, few times when I've gone fishing, but I just don't like going fishing because to me it's a bit of a waste of time and... <sighs> Three hours. What did you get? Nothing. You know, uh, can't do it. But what I do like about going fishing is as soon as you get a couple of hours out of the city, you look up to the heavens and you see the stars. It's just, it's just amazing. And you can just stand there and think, wow. Uh, wow, this, this, is, this is amazing. And you know, the, the way the universe functions and, and, and the, the fact that the stars don't just come crashing down to earth, the way it all works um, speaks to us about God. Paul said to the Romans, as we read in our text, for the truth about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky and all that God made. They can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. Paul is saying creation itself speaks to us about God. Nature itself speaks to us about God. It speaks to us about the invisible qualities of God. Nature itself, if you want to just, just, just study nature, look to the skies, it speaks to us about God. Just think about the earth and the universe that we're living in. I mean, I mean where does it stop? I mean, where, where's the end of the universe? When, 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 I mean, they built the Hubble telescope and they've sent it out, you know, on a mission to see what's out there and, and, and so on and so on. And I, I love what G Louis Giglio said one time and uh, he's written, done a good sermon on, on, on this, this whole topic. And he said, you know, I believe God is saying, why don't you just build a bigger telescope <laughs> so that it can go even further out and further out. And, and, and there is no end because creation itself speaks to us about the invisible qualities of God and the power of who God is. The psalmist 
David said, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. The universe itself speaks to us about who God is and His greatness. So much of creation speaks to us about God. The size of the universe speaks to us about God. Our planet is part of the Milky Way galaxy containing about 200 million stars. We've got some photos potentially. Maybe there, there it is. There it is. Uh, that's, what it, that's, what it, that's what it looks like. Um, the Milky Way galaxy is one of billions of galaxies uh, known to be travelling throughout space. And uh, the fact that life exists on Earth is a strong testimony of the existence of a creator. We know that Earth is the only planet in our solar system that can sustain life as we know it. Uh, It just so happens that the Earth is just the right distance from the sun. Any closer and we would burn. I think Australia is a little bit closer to the sun than some of these other countries. Uh, Any further away and we would freeze. Uh, The Earth is rotating at just the right speed. Any faster or slower and there would be no life on Earth. The physical size of the Earth is just right to support um, life as we know it. If the earth was smaller, the gravity uh, could not hold uh, anything together. The moon is the right distance from the earth. Uh, the moon is about 384,600 kilometres away from the earth. I measured it this week and just to make sure that that's actually correct. Uh, I don't know how they measure these things, but I'm going to take it as, as the truth. If, I, if it were closer, the tides would completely submerge uh, the continents and, and, and so just w- one, one, one little change in any of these many things and, and, and uh, life could not be sustained on earth. The angle of the earth is just the right for us to survive. The earth is tilted on, the, on an axis of 23.5 degrees. And um, uh, this tilting plus the revolution around the sun gives our seasons, uh, seasons where food grows uh, in, in one particular season. And then there's a season where uh, the earth or the soil uh, kind of goes idle and, and builds itself, itself up, the winter season. You know, and there's, the, there's, there's this, the summer season where we reap and the winter season where everything is strengthened. And, and that's what enables us to be able to have uh, fruit and, and be able to have food and um, got a few fruit trees at home and not getting a lot of fruit at the moment, so I don't know what's going on. But anyway, maybe tilting isn't quite right. As we study the universe, we find precision and order everywhere. Uh, as, as we look at the earth, and the more you study it, you see, you see precision and order. An atheist by the name of Patrick Glynn, educated at Harvard University, he wrote a book called God, the Evidence. And this is what he said, today the concrete evidence points strongly to the God hypothesis. Those who wish to oppose it have no testable theory to marshal only speculations about universes sprung from fertile imaginations. I love that. Ironically, the picture of the universe given to us by the most advanced science is closer in spirit to the version presented in the book of Genesis than anything offered by science since Copernicus. Not only does the universe speak to us about God, but so does creation. Study any species of animal and you will be amazed and, 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 uh, at, at what we see. This week I was, I was watching the bees at work because obviously we're moving into spring and uh, the bees are buzzing away. Bzzz, 
they're, they're doing what the work that they do. And I was just watching the bees at work. I, I, you know, I was fascinated uh, um, by, by these little creatures. And uh, this little creature that isn't supposed to fly, by the way, uh, because its wings are too small compared to the size of the body. And uh, it's just not meant to fly. But no one told the bees. And they're flying anyway, you know. Um, and just the importance of bees to life and to agriculture and, and to everything that we experience. Albert Einstein said this, if the bee disappeared off the face of the earth, man would only have uh, four years left to live. And I was just thinking, and, um, and I understand that there's other ways, but, but how important are bees to agriculture and to everything that this little, this little piddly little, little, little animal, this little thing that just, you know, knows to come around just the right times and, and how the whole of agriculture depends on the bee doing the work that it's doing. And if you haven't seen the bees movie, watch the bees movie and it'll all make sense to you. And I, and I was just, I was just thinking about, about all of that. And I, and I'm not, not this, not the big things, but just this little thing and how important that is. Um, and if that's not enough, the body itself speaks to us about God with its intricacies and complexities. And uh, it's just the more you study uh, the human body, the more you understand how profound uh, and, and complex we are and, as human beings. And, and, and not, not only, uh, you know, the further you go out into the universe that you kind of see uh, it, it doesn't ever stop, but the, but the, but the, the further you go in, the, the microscope, you build the, the, the bigger the microscope, the more powerful the mi microscope, the more you discover about cells and so on and so on. Now, most people today will say, well... You know, the reality is all of that happened with a big bang. Christianity, Pastor Joe, I get what you're saying, but Christianity is a faith and evolution is a science. And, and, and that's the difference between those two things. Um, Mikhail Turner wrote an article in the Scientific American and he explains evolution like this. He says our universe began with a big bang 13.7 billion years ago. And has experienced, uh, expanded, sorry, and cooled ever since. It has evolved from a formless combination of elementary particles into the richly uh, structured cosmos that we have today. In, is what he said. The first microsecond was the formative period when matter came to dominate over antimatter. The seeds of galaxies and other structures were planted and dark matter the, and I love the way he actually puts this in brackets, the unidentified material that holds everything together. It's unidentified material. And he says, uh, the unidentified material that holds the structures together was created. Now, my, my simple response to evolutionists is, I, I, I'm even going to accept all of the, or everything else. Like, just let's accept that, although it takes a lot of faith to accept that from these particles we have what we have today. But the big question for me is, where did the chemicals come from? <laughs> where, where did they come from? Uh, first, there was nothing, and then what? I mean, if you ever have a discussion with an evolutionist, just ask them that simple question. Let's just go right back to the beginning. Let's go right, okay, the Big Bang. Let's just take a few steps before the Big Bang. First, there was nothing, then what happened? Um, and so we either believe in the beginning God or in the beginning chemicals. And that's not science. That, that's actually, that's, it takes faith. To say that chemicals just appeared out of nowhere, 
that, that doesn't sound like science to me. That's delusional if you actually believe that. You know, is that this thing, whatever it is, appeared out of nowhere. It just randomly, spontaneously appeared. Again, Paul says to the Romans, for the truth about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts, inside of our hearts. And if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest inside of us, um, with our heart, we will say, uh, to say that all of this just happened by chance, to say that first there was nothing, then there was, then there was, then there's all of this. Um, that takes a lot of, a lot of, a lot of faith. I would rather people just say, I don't want to believe in God. Full stop. I accept that. I accept that as a reality. I don't want to, I don't believe in the beginning God. Okay. I accept that as a reality. But then to try to create this, 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 uh, uh, the evolution as a, as a, as a possible explanation, it takes a lot of faith to actually believe that. First reason why I believe in God is simply creation. Creation speaks to us about God. Second reason why I believe in God is because of the Bible. The Bible says all scripture is God breathed and is youth, useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is an amazing book and what makes it amazing is it has the breath of God. It's not an ordinary book. It's not like every other book that you have on your bookshelf. The Bible is amazing because it has the breath of God. You might say, well, I think the Bible is just like every other book. And even if you don't believe the Bible has any divine power, you've got to be amazed by the stats that surround the Bible. No other book ever written in history ever comes, even comes close to the distribution of the Bible. The Bible is read by more people and written in more languages than any other book that's ever been written in history. The Bible has been translated in over 350 uh, different uh, languages. Portions of the Bible uh, have been translated in over 2,000 uh, different languages. And, and, and they are more and more languages are being uh, translated even, even today. It's believed that over 100 million Bibles are sold every single year. The Bible has had incredible influence over the years. No book comes even close to the influence that the Bible has actually had in society. More books are written about the Bible than any other book ever written. Uh, a professor named Montaro Williams studied Eastern books uh, in comparison to the Bible. And this is what he said. He said, uh, pile them up, if you will, on the left side of your study table, but place your, your one holy Bible on the right side, uh, all by itself, all alone. There is a gulf between the Bible and the so-called sacred books of the East, which severs the one from the other, utterly, hopelessly and forever, a veritable gulf which can not be bridged over by any science or religious thought. The Bible has withstood vicious attacks like no other book ever written. Over the years, there have been people that have outlawed it and burned it and, and, uh, and banned it. And by the way, we're pretty close to in our nation. Uh, they're, they're probably two or three steps away from actually banning the Word of God because underneath a lot of the stuff that's happening today is, is this hatred for the Word of God and this deep, deep uh, uh, understanding that, they, we, that, 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 that the teachings uh, are not good and they want to see the, the the Word of God eradicated. Despite all of this opposition, the Bible has continued to flourish. And in fact, the more opposition that people have had against the Word of God, the more the Word of God has flourished. One person who tried to eradicate the Bible um, in France, it was Voltaire. And you've heard me talk about this, who died in 1778. He said, within a hundred years of his death, Christianity would be swept from existence and passed into history. And what happened? Voltaire passed into history. But the Bible has continued to be circulated 
with ever more strength. After 50 years of his death, the Geneva Bible Society brought his house and used his printing press to produce and distribute Bibles. That's the power of the Word of God. It's the power of the Word of God. Still believe, you know, God is in heaven. Watch this. Let's watch this, you know. Um, There are more original copies of the Bible than any other piece of literature in antiquity by far, or throughout the Old Testament, um, are prophecies written about what would happen in the future. And this this, this is just another aspect, and we could have separated this as a point in and of itself. It's the prophecies that have been written about Jesus. People talk about Nostradamus and the prophecies and this guy being a prophet. Read the prophecies in the Bible and you will be astounded and alarmed. There are over 300 major prophecies written about Jesus, written about five, between 500 and 4,000 years before his birth. Prophecies that spoke about uh, where he would be born, the, uh, uh, the, the town where he would be born, how he would die and intricacies about his life. And the statistical probability of those coming true is close to impossible. And in fact, is they all were verified uh, in history. More than the Bible, uh, more than that, the Bible is amazing because it speaks to those who open their hearts to God. There's just the word of God is 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 powerful. Hebrews says, for the word of God is living and active. This is not a dead book. This is not a book that just contains knowledge and information. Uh, When we read the Bible, something begins to happen inside of us. When we open our hearts to Christ, when we open our hearts to God, the the, the words of this page have the capacity to speak into our life. You've heard me say before, there's a difference between the logos. There are two Greek words that speak about the word of God. One is the logos, which is the general word of God. You know, it's the it's the words um, that are, that have that have been written. But then the then then there's the word rhema, which is uh, which is also speaks about the word of God. But it's when a particular verse has this sort of jumps off the page and is able to speak into a situation into your life. That's the power of the word of God. It's living and active. As I read it and as I open up my heart to God, it has the capacity to speak a word into my heart and into my spirit. And one of the things I encourage everyone to do is to to read the Word. And maybe you're still wondering, I don't know if this stuff is all true. Can I just encourage you to to get a Bible. I mean, just 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 buy a Bible and begin to read it. Don't start in Genesis. You might want to start in, in the Gospel. Start in the Gospel of Matthew and read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They're amazing books of the Bible. You wouldn't want to start in the book of Numbers because you're going to get all kind of confused, especially if you're not good at maths. You know, it's not a really good book. Uh, that was a joke. Um, and, uh, Leviticus, yeah, let, that, that, leave that for later. But, but if, you, if, if you read the Gospels that speak about Jesus, uh, the Word of God speaks for itself. We don't have to defend the faith. Uh, God is able to defend Himself. We're not, you know, we talk about the apologetic. We're not apologizing. God doesn't apologize for who He is. It's as we read the Word, we get a revelation uh, of who God is and what He wants to do in our lives. Read the book of Psalms. Read Proverbs. Proverbs, you get wisdom. There's 31 chapters uh, in the book of Proverbs. That's one for every day of the month when there's 31 days in the month. And, uh, and, uh, and there's so much wisdom contained in the Word of God. David says this. I just love this scripture. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
has the capacity to bring life into our soul, our emotions, our mind. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. How powerful, Pastor John, I'm not that intelligent. I tell you, what we need is not IQ. What we need is wisdom today. What we don't need is more information. What we need is the wisdom of God. As we read the Word of God, it makes wise the simple. It's powerful. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Uh, the commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. What does that mean? It enables us to see things that cannot be ordinarily seen. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is, is, is speaking about respect for God. Um, the ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure God. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. I believe in God because of the Bible, and I encourage you to read the Scriptures. The third reason why I believe in God is because of the life of Jesus. Some 2,000 years ago, God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin. He taught. He did miracles. Uh, he, uh, he died on a cross, and three days later, He rose from the dead. And over the years, many people have tried to dismiss the reality that Jesus even lived on the earth. F.F. F. Bruce um, says uh, this, a historian said, some writers may toy with the fancy of a Christ myth, but they do not do so on the ground of historical evidence. The historicity of Christ is as axiomatic for an unbiased historian as the historicity of Julius Caesar. It is not historians that propagate the Christ myth theories. Otto Betts concludes, no serious scholar has ventured to postulate the non-historicity of Jesus Christ. Jesus was an amazing man, and I don't think anyone can ever deny the reality of Christ Jesus. Even if you deny the deity of Christ, you're nevertheless impacted by who He was, by what He taught, by how He dealt with people, the wisdom and insight that he had, the truth that he spoke uh, into people's lives. His teaching was amazing. People said as they listened to Jesus teach, they said, I've never heard anything like this. I've never heard anyone speak like this. I've never heard truth like that. They were amazed at his, his teaching. Jesus said, and the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. They are powerful. They have the capacity to breathe life into our whole. When we put our faith in Christ, his words have the power to bring to bring life into our own lives. His teaching was revolutionary. Jesus taught things like, you know, he's taught things like love your enemies. This is powerful. Now, who would ever teach something like that? Um, it's love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. He taught people to live humbly. He taught people to serve. In, you know, Jesus says, I didn't come to, 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 to be served, but to serve. He, he, he taught us incredible truths that have the power um, to, to, for us to experience life and joy in our lives. Things that, are, that, are, that, you, wouldn't un, that you wouldn't believe to be true, that they don't make sense to the human mind. And yet these truths are so powerful. He said, if you want to find life, you've got to lose it. Stop focusing on yourself. Instead, focus on others and you will experience something called life. We live in a world that says, that says get as much as you can and can as much as you get. It's, and, and, and Jesus said, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with wealth. Nothing wrong with stuff. But God says, if you want to experience true joy, uh, learn, learn to give because that's what actually brings the greatest joy in our lives. He said, if you want to be the first, you need to be the last. 
uh, just, just, just truths that are so powerful. And in a world where power was valued, Jesus loved to spend time with the marginalized. You know, the lepers, the blind, the beggars, the irreligious, you know, those people, the outcasts of society. Jesus, Jesus loved to spend time with these guys. The religious elite, those in their garb, you can just imagine them with all, all their pomp and ceremony forever judge Jesus because he was spending time with the wrong people. And Jesus says, why I've come. This is why I have come. And his teaching is still impacting the world. 2,000 years later, we are still being impacted by his teaching. And, and, and those of us who call ourselves Christians, we are disciples of Jesus Christ. Our goal, our desire, more than anything else, is to be more and more like Jesus every single day, to think more like Jesus, live more like Jesus, do the very things that Jesus would do, even if you don't believe in Christ and even if you don't believe in the Bible. I, I, I believe very strongly our world would be a much better place if we learned to live like like Jesus, in nations where people um, obey and and respect the principles of God's word, you know, I, I love Australia because in Australia, you know, the 95 plus percent of people would call themselves atheist or irreligious or whatever, not really religious, but yet our nation is founded and grounded upon the principles of God's word. What enables us to say and do and live the judicial system and so on and so on. What enables us to live with the freedom that we have is that this nation is built on. On the principles of God's word. And, and we thank God for that. In nations where it doesn't happen, it's not a nice place to live. It's not a nice place to live. I believe in God because of the life of Jesus. In fact, over, over one third of the world's population has been impacted by his message. The most important reason why I believe in God is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, the reason why the resurrection of Jesus is more important than the virgin birth, the teaching, the miracles, the death of Jesus, because it's the one aspect of his life more than any other that confirms his deity. Our calendar reminds us that Jesus died and rose again. It's beautiful. I don't believe in God. What's the year again? Sorry, what, what, what's the date today? Sorry, what is it? What is it? Uh, it's, uh, it's 2023. It reminds us uh, that something happened uh, uh, at that time that was unique and special. In fact, the, uh, the whole of Christianity hinges on the one fact that Jesus died and rose from the dead. If there's no resurrection, there is no Christianity. Uh, Paul said to this in the Bible, and he said, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. The Apostle Paul said that. He said, listen, if Jesus didn't rise uh, from the dead, the Christianity is null and void. Um, because, and the reason for that is because if he didn't rise from the dead, that made everything he said about God uh, uh, un, un, not true. So, but if the resurrection did happen, then that makes uh, Jesus uh, that that makes that makes Jesus the Son of God. That proves who he who he was. That's that's what Paul was saying, and and he repeats himself in verse seventeen. He says, "If Christ did not rise, your faith is futile, and your sins have never been forgiven." But the question remains for us, did Jesus really rise from the dead? That's really the important question for us and how can we know? And over the years, we've had all kinds of people disputing the claims of Christ. And one of the greatest uh, lawyers, uh, uh, as recorded by the Guinness Book of Records, Sir Lionel uh, Laku, one, one day uh, he was challenged by someone to take uh, his monumental legal analysis powers and to apply them to the evidence of his resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ and, and come to a conclusion. And his conclusion was, I say unequivocally, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof, which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. 
A lot of people say that this resurrection was just a myth, a legend. Um, and, and so it's been refuted. But there was a creed that, was, uh, that, that the early church would recite. It's recorded in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 15, and this is what it says. It says, I've passed on to you uh, what I have received, which is of greatest importance, that Christ died for our sins, as written in the Scripture, that he was buried and raised to life on the third day, as written in the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Scholars have uh, put this particular creed, have dated it back to uh, as early as 24 to 48 months. Uh, it was written uh, 24 to 48 months just after the death of Jesus Christ. There was no huge gap of time between the time of resurrection and this. And evidence also comes from the, the historical writings of the time. I just love the fact that people say, oh, I don't believe in the resurrection, but people have never taken the time to actually look at the material, to study the material, to read some of the books. We accept, uh, you know, what media is saying. We accept what, what our professors are saying at university. We just accept it as truth, never taking the time to actually study the historical evidence. And one of the historians who was writing uh, to please the Romans at about 100 AD said, Jesus appeared to them alive on the third day as the divine prophets had foretold. These and 10,000 other things concerning him. His name was, was Josephus. Not only was Jesus tomb empty, but Jesus appeared to over 515 people after his life. One of the great modern day books that have been written on this whole subject is, um, uh, is a book called The Case for Christ, uh, written, by, written by a guy called Lee Strobel. And he was, uh, he's a journalist and a lawyer at the same time and uh, an atheist, didn't believe in God. But he began to look at the evidence. He, he, uh, he uh, 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 researched all of the evidence and through the research came to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, um, and I thoroughly recommend the book. And if you'd like to get a copy, just see Pastor Joseph at the end of the service and he'll make sure you get a copy in your hands. Um, evidence for the resurrection also comes from the disciples that after the crucifixion, uh, they were despondent, dejected, depressed and hiding. They fled. Um, uh, they expected Jesus to be king and to reign and to dominate. And there was Jesus uh, uh, crucified on a cross and then, and then he died. And these um, same d disciples after the resurrection um, were boldly proclaiming about Jesus Christ. In Acts 2, the Bible says, then Peter stood up and he raised his voice and addressed the crowd and said, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of this fact. Uh, this Peter that was, was timid and, 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 and rejected Jesus Christ and denied, the, denied Jesus, a few, a few weeks later, he was speaking about Jesus Christ. What gave him the boldness uh, to speak like that and to preach such a powerful message is because Jesus rose from the dead. All but John were put to death proclaiming that Jesus had risen from the dead and that's powerful. Why would they give their life for someone who had died in, and, and, and was still dead? We believe in God because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one final reason why we believe in God is because of the experience of changed lives. So many people's lives have been changed after coming to know Christ. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Uh, people testify to the change that Jesus brings. The Bible says here to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Everyone that ever came into contact with Jesus was changed forever. And yeah, I just wish we had the time 
to be able to allow some people to just come forward and just talk about the incredible change that Jesus has, has made in their lives. The transformation. I used to be like this. It's the kind of person I was. And then one day I heard someone speak about Jesus. And something inside of me goes, something inside of me said, this is the truth. And I opened up my heart to Jesus Christ. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I was never the same again. Everyone that ever came into contact with Jesus was changed forever. And that transformation continues to happen today as people declare Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He's able to transform the heart of man. He can change an angry person to a loving person, a hard person to a soft person. He's able to give life and purpose. He can heal the hurt and the wounded. He can restore families. Um, he, has, he, has, uh, he has the capacity to give us a brand new heart. And I will give you a new heart, says the Lord. Uh, 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 I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. It's amazing. We call it the miracle of salvation because that's what it is. It's just a miracle. It's, just, it's the miracle of salvation. I can't even explain it, but I know that it's true. And I know that it's powerful. That, uh, you know, we often get people, and you're going to get an opportunity at the end of the service today to pray a simple prayer. And it's just amazing. People hear a message like this, and we just, we just ask them to pray a simple prayer, inviting Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their lives. And, and, and people testify to the power of, of, of just praying a simple prayer, a prayer of invitation. And you don't even have to wait to the end. You can invite Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior right now. Lord, be the Lord and Savior of my life. It's not about the words. It's about an invitation to say, God, I'm sick and tired of doing life my way. Just, I want to do life your way. And, and, and when people pray a simple prayer like that, they, they experience freedom. Uh, people talk about uh, this, this weight that's been lifted off their shoulders, the incredible joy of the Lord that they experience. I believe in Jesus because of the transformation that He brings. Charles Finney was a man that was used by God in a powerful way. And one time he was holding a meeting in one of the major cities in the US. The revival was a, a great impact in cities. In some cases, the bars all went broke because no one was going. In one meeting, as he was walking to church, a man stopped him and said, I want to speak to you. Finney said, yeah, that'll be, that'll be great. We can meet after church. So as he came to the top of the steps, the deacons in the church said to him, what did that man want? Finney said, he wanted to talk to me after church. And they said, do you know who that man is? He said, no. And they said, well, that man is one of the worst men in the city. He's horrible. You just dare not go with him. He's hired killers and he probably has it in for you. So don't go. So after service, the deacons met him and said, you're not going to go with that man, are you? And he said, yes, I am. And they said, well, you can't. And he said, well, I gave this man my word. And so the man met him and led him down the street up an alley into the back door of a building. And as Finney went in, he turned around and, and, and locked the door and he said, sit down. Finney sat down and the man pulled, pulled a gun out of the desk and laid the gun on the desk. And he said, I heard you say something last night and I want to know if it's true. Finney said, what did you hear me say? He said, you said the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, can cleanse a man from all unrighteousness. And he said, no, I didn't say that. God said that in his word. And he said, wait a minute. You don't know me. You don't know what I've done. He said, you're sitting in a room behind a bar and we have an illegal gambling room. And he said, the, the gambling devices are fixed and I've taken the last dollar from many people and they have gone out and committed suicide. You mean God could forgive me of all of that? 
And Finney said, all I can tell is that the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, can cleanse a man from all sin. And he said, wait a minute, that's not the whole story. He said, I own a bar out the front. And he said, men will come in and they'll drink and their wives uh, will come in rags with their little children. And they've begged me to not sell their, their husbands any more alcohol. And he said, I throw the wives out in the streets and I sell their husbands alcohol until they run out of money. And then I kick them out on the street. You mean God can forgive a man like that? And Finney said, the Bible says, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, can cleanse a man from all sin. The man said, that's not the whole story. He said, this gun, it has killed several people who have gotten in my way and I've hired men to kill others. I've paid them to kill. And you mean God can forgive me of all of that? He said, all I, mm, mm. All I can tell you is that the Bible says all sin. He said, wait a minute, across the street is the big brown uh, stone house. He said, I have a wife and a beautiful little child. He said, I haven't said a decent word to my wife in over 16 years and I've been miserable and I've been mean. And he said, the other day when my little child was running up, I pushed her away into the stove and she was burnt seriously. I've never told that little girl that I love her. You mean God could forgive me? And at this point, Finney stood up and he grabbed him and he began to shake him. And he said, young man, you've told me about as horrible a story as I've ever heard or could ever dream. And he said, if it were up to me, I don't know if I could forgive. But all I can tell you is that the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, will cleanse a man from all sin. He said, that's all I wanted to know. Thank you. So he went over and unlocked the door and said, you can find your way home. Next morning, as the sun was coming up, he was walking from the bar over to his home. And when he came into his house, his wife was in the kitchen with his little daughter <clears throat> and he went upstairs. And so the mother said, go tell your daddy that breakfast is ready. So she ran up and halfway up the stairs, she called and said, daddy, mum, mummy said breakfast is ready. And he answered, sweetheart, tell your mummy that daddy doesn't want any breakfast this morning. Little girl came running back down into the kitchen and said, mummy, mummy, daddy said that he doesn't, he doesn't want any breakfast. And he called me sweetheart. And the mother said, honey, you must have misunderstood. Go up and tell him again that breakfast is ready. And again, she ran halfway up the stairs and she said, Daddy, Mum said the breakfast is ready. And he said, come here, honey. And she went over to him and picked her, picked her up and sit, sat her on his lap. And he began to tell her how much he loved her. And with that, the mother, of course, wondering what was going on, followed the little girl upstairs and standing in the door, she as she saw him holding his little daughter on his lap for the first time with tears coming down her cheeks, he said, come over here, honey. And he said, I found out something last night. And that's the greatest thing that I've ever heard. And he said, it's true. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, can cleanse a man from all sin. In Jesus' name. And he closed the bar and began to be a, a benefactor in the community, changed by the power of Jesus. That's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it has the power to save. It has the power to transform. This is not a philosophy. This is not just information. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ that has the power to transform the human heart. And whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why should I believe in God? Evidence comes from creation, the life of Jesus, the Bible, the resurrection, 
and transformed lives. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Many people say they believe in God, but they've never put their faith in Him. A person may believe aeroplanes fly, but if you don't get in the aeroplane, you don't really believe they fly. Some people believe, they say they believe that ships can stay afloat. That if you never step into a boat, you don't really believe that. True belief or faith in Christ is like getting into the aeroplane. It's like getting in, into that boat. It involves making a choice to commit your life to Jesus Christ. One of the earliest skeptics of Jesus was Thomas, one of his disciples. Thomas says, unless I touch him with my hands and see him with my eyes, I'm not going to believe. Maybe today you're a bit like Thomas. You've heard about Jesus. And um, there's a sense inside of you that there's something true. You've sensed this presence, but doubts are stopping you from surrendering your life to Him. You've heard everything and you got and deep inside of your heart, you're saying, it's got to be something to this. But doubts are stopping you from surrendering to Him. So Jesus says to Thomas, I just love Jesus. I love Jesus that's called Thomas, spent three years with him. He's seen the miracles that Jesus has done. Some of us say, but if I saw the miracles, then I'd really believe. Thomas saw all of the miracles of Jesus and now he's doubting him. And I love what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't berate him. Jesus doesn't, doesn't say, wait till I get to Thomas, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to him. Jesus says to Thomas, come here, Thomas. Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. And then he says, stop doubting and believe. It's a word for somebody. You know, deep inside of your heart that this is the truth. Stop doubting. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. He has a revelation of truth. My Lord and my God. It's a revelation of truth that we can only have by the Holy Spirit. It's our eyes are open and suddenly we see Jesus for who He is. And Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You too can have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. I want you to know that God loves you. We've been singing about it. There's only one thing that's going to stop us from knowing Jesus and that's sin. The Bible tells us that. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages or the consequences of sin is eternal separation from God. But Jesus, the God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. If we would accept Him as our Lord and Savior, we would be saved. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. I want to give you an opportunity to come to Jesus. Will you, will you stand with me? Father, I just thank you for your word, the power of your word. I thank you that for the power of salvation, that we haven't put our faith in a person, in a religion or a church, but we've given our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you that there was a day where you opened our eyes so that we were able to come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Be glorified, Lord God, in and through our lives. Use us for your glory, we pray. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. Amen. God bless you. You've been an amazing congregation and uh, have a great week. We'll see you back next week. Thank you.